course, we've been talking about marriage and family and parenting. And so we're concluding that um, for the month of November. How many of y'all have been enjoying this? Us being together and tag teaming and amen. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make your family better. We want to make your marriage better. Proverbs 11 and uh, 14 says, in a multitude of counsel, there's set. Of course, we've been talking about marriage and family and parenting. And so we're concluding that um, for the month of November. How many of y'all have been enjoying this? Us being together and tag teaming and amen. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make your family better. We want to make your marriage better. Proverbs 11 and uh, 14 says, in a multitude of counsel, there's safety. But when there's no counsel, the people fall. And that's why we're really big about, you know, one, our, our bottom line is we want to help bring a level of safety, you know, to your life. Amen. Spiritually. Amen. Because we are all still human. Amen. And we have human moments. And we want to help spiritually cut down on those you know, by being in alignment with God's word, which we know takes work. Amen. So we're going to dive into this now. Absolutely. Marriage takes work. And before we get into this teaching, please know if you've been divorced or remarried, Amen. you know, there's no condemnation. We understand that things happen in relationships. Yep. Some people get married too young. They marry wrong. They didn't know Jesus. And they just married. Everybody told them not to marry him, but you married him anyway. Of course, we've been talking about marriage and family and parenting. And so we're concluding that um, for the month of November. How many of y'all have been, of course, we've been talking. And um, one thing we need to remember is our wedding vows. You know, when, when we all walk down the aisle and to say, I do, we took vows. And there is a set standard of wedding vows, even though if you create your own, there's a set standard of wedding vows that we all should remember what we said to one another. So it says this, I take you, or you should say it, say it to me. <laughs> We did that 24 years ago. All right, ago. fine. I take you, whoever, fill in the blank. You don't want to marry me again? We'll be 25. All right. I take blank to be my wedded, my wedded wife or husband to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness or in health, to love and cherish till death do us part. That's what most of us said in front of witnesses, two or three. The Bible says all you need is two or three for something to be established. Um, that's what you said in front of a minister, a pastor, a judge, uh, and, and your vow to God was that you would do all this. So to have and to hold means to take responsibility for and to take possession of. Mm. And so when you're saying, I'm marrying you, or this is good for you if you're considering to get married to somebody, you're saying, I'm going to take possession of, I'm going to take responsibility for. To have means to take possession emotionally, mentally, and sexually. You're saying all those when you make your vows. And then to hold means to support, to carry, or to lift. So you're saying, I'm going to support you. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to lift you up. And then it says, from this day forward, meaning you're finalizing the time. From the day you say I do and forward all of your days. That's the vow you took. Then it says, for better or for worse. No matter what situation is in your life, that's a situational commitment. Um, we've had bad times. We've had good times. The first seven years of our marriage were probably worst. Absolutely. And the, the 19 years of our marriage got better. But those seven years, oh gosh. It's really a miracle that we don't have a, a special on Snapped or Dateline. I think about that. That we should Amen. have a Dateline show. That we somebody should... didn't kill somebody. Right. But, you... but, but look at this. This is a lot of work. Yeah. To hold, to, to have, and to hold means to take possession and responsibility. Yeah. How many know it's hard to, hard to take possession and responsibility for yourself? Right. And now you're asking me, to, now i got to take possession and responsibility of you. Right. Look at your neighbor and say, that's work. That's work. Then to take possession of emotionally. <laughs> Here I am, I'm already an emotional basket case. And now i got to take emotional, i I got I to gotta help appease your emotions. Right. Then it says take possession of emotionally and mentally and sexually, which a lot of us, that's the easy part. But emotionally mentally, hey, I got to take possession, I got to be responsible. Then it says to hold, to support, to lift up, or to carry. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. And that's probably why 52, 53% of our nation is divorced, because it's a lot. How many know it takes the strength of God to stay married? Yes. It takes the strength of God, it literally. Does. Philippians 4.13 says that we can do all things through, somebody say through. Through. 
Christ who strengthens us. It takes the strength of Christ in us. Thank God for the Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world because without the presence, remember we were singing about his presence? Without <laughs> his presence, you, you wouldn't have longevity in your marriage. Can I get a witness to my married couples that are here today? It, it, takes, it takes his presence. It takes him being the center of your marriage in order for that thing to be healthy. Yes. So that, that's a lot. It is a lot. And then 1 Corinthians 7, 3, it says, let the husband, this is for us wives, let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her. And likewise, also to the husband. So like in our marriage, I'm a very affectionate person and pastor's not the affectionate one. And sometimes I'm saying, you know, you took responsibility for me. You owe me affection. It's due. Mm -hmm. So right. give me what you owe. Amen. Amen. And I'm not talking sexual. I'm talking affection. Remember the non-sexual touches? Thirteen. Right. You know, like a One, hug. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. You know, I had to sneak that in there. And we're done. So men, when you're late, your wife is feeling down, just give her the thirteen. Please It's don't. gonna be all right. You're gonna be just fine, girl. I know. I got a feeling. Everything gonna be all right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, but the non-factual. So, so that's that kind of you. You messed me up with that. Yes. Yeah, so, so you owe you owe you owe me affection. So, right. if you're if you're a wife here, you can use that scripture. But don't do the thirteen touches like but that. But let me finish that scripture though. Okay. Because it says the wife does not have authority over her own body. I heard somebody's down there said praise him. <laughs> so that that means you can't you can't be you can't be. Uh, uh, closed. Did you women hear that? I closed up shop. How many know the devil is a lie? I got a headache. How many know the devil is a lie? You might. You might. I had a bad day. That's even a more the reason why. <laughs> Look at you there. Say he preached it down. He preached it down. He preached it down. Yeah. <laughs> So the wife does not have authority over her own husband, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body. Ooh. Right, exactly. So <laughs> come on, right, ladies? I heard a few ladies. I, I so, was hoping y'all ladies didn't catch that. No, yeah, we like, caught it. So that means we don't care if you had a rough day or if you're tired either. You got to make this work. Hey. But normally when a man have a rough day, you good. You do. Yeah, you, you try to release, so you know, oh, like, hey. Okay. Hey, Praise the Lord. <laughs> and yes, so you don't have authority either, so it goes vice versa. So if then, then it says, don't mm -hmm. deprive one another. Yeah. Except with the consent of time that you may give yourself fasting and praying. Come together again so that Satan does not tempt you. Right. Of your Good lack enough. of self-control. Love that. Yeah. I love that, that, that God knows our bodies. Mm -hmm. Because that's why the Bible says it's better to marry than to what? Burn. Burn. And I used to, when I grew up in church, they would use that scripture out of context. They would say, it's better to burn than to burn in hell, and you're going to go to hell. No, 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 that's talking about burning in your flesh. Right. And see, I, I hate that, because when we were growing up, you know, they didn't teach, a lot of times they weren't accurate. You know, I think sometimes churches just need to talk about it, how we nasty. Amen. And he gave us a way of escape he by did. getting married. Come on. Mm -hmm. Look, we pastors, and all, but I'm not at home, you know, Shonda... I should have bought a Honda. Should have bought a bow tie. Come on, man. I'm a human being, too. There, I had, listen, we had five kids in six years, 11 months, and 16 days. Right. So I must not be all that spiritual. <laughs> I'm spiritual, but somebody say balance. Balance. Put up Proverbs 11.1 1 real quick. Put up Proverbs 11.1. 1. Put this up in the King James Version. Let, let me help somebody that's still super spiritual. Because yeah, that was me. Remember, I told y'all I was 25. I was killing the church. Yeah. I can't believe y'all ain't living holy. I've been living holy for eight months. I don't understand why people just can't live right. I'll never forget one of the deacons said, he said, young man, keep living. Right. He said, you're going to realize even with your spirituality, you're going to have some human moments. You ain't cussed nobody out in eight months. He said, but I'll give you eight more months. Right. <laughs> and I cussed somebody out. <laughs> Lord, help us. A false balance. It's an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. God wants us to have balance. Yes, he wants us to come to church on Sunday. Yes, he wants us to, you know, meditate in his word day and night. But also, he wants us to have a life. 
He wants us to not just be married, but he wants us to be happily married. Right. Amen? So I believe a lot of those things that we just cover right now plays a, a huge factor. Like, again, you know, we talked about taking possession of responsibility. Right. Uh, uh, to take possession of emotionally, mentally. For better, for worse. For better, for worse. Then, mm -hmm. you know, to hold means to support, to lift up, to carry. Amen? It's working, it, but, but it's obtainable because we have Christ in our life. Amen? Absolutely. And then the Word of God, or not the Word of God, but the vows you took also says, for richer and for poorer. You know, 52% of marriages get divorced because of, 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 of money, of finances. Mm. And honestly, listen, um, I know it's tough when you're struggling financially. You know, it, it makes things difficult, but really it costs more to separate. Sometimes you need to look at your husband or wife if things are bad as just like a roommate for a little while. You're splitting the bills. You know, you're paying together. I've asked couples if they're having problems, can you afford to divorce? Because it's expensive. You might as well share your bills with the one you love or the one you like. You know, you can love them again, right? Absolutely. We, we went through phases where we just understood we were roommates, you know, just splitting the bills and, you know, having conjugal visits every now and again. You know, because we, we were just having a hard time in our marriage. But for rich or for poor, there's a financial commitment that you have to make within your marriage. Um, Philippians 4.12 tells us, I know how to be abased or without, and I know how to be abound, meaning with. Everywhere, in, everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and hungry, both abound and to suffer need. In other words, Paul is saying in the scripture in Philippians that I know how to live with or without money. Right, right. It doesn't sway my relationship with sure. Jesus, and it should not sway your relationship with one another. Mm. And also for, it says, when you make the vows for in sickness and in health. And that means you have to have physical and emotional commitment. And this is a vow that I learned uh, the hard way this year with my husband and I, because we made that vow to each other in sickness and in health. Um, and you don't think about it when you're 18 getting married. You don't think about sickness. Because when you're young, you're invincible, you're healthy, nothing goes wrong. But this past year, I was sick. I was very sick. And it caused a major strain in our marriage because your pastor has a very low tolerance for sick people. He, he, he does. He, he really, it, it, it caused major issues in our marriage because he was insensitive. He was impatient. If I was coughing, he would be like, stop doing that. Or when, or when, when are you going to be done? Or if I was sick, when are you going to feel better? Or are you sleeping again? He was very, I mean, listen, I, I came to service. I was sick the day before, and I came to service. I got dressed up, I thought, came to church, 8 o'clock service. When it was over, he comes up to me and says, you need to leave church because you look terrible. He kicked me out the church <laughs> for being sick, and I felt so bad. I mean, I just cried my little eyes out when I got home because he literally kicked me out the church for looking bad, instead he should say, honey, I know you don't feel good, I know you're struggling, but go home and get some rest. No, he said, you're a hindrance on the service, go home. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> you know it's two sides to every story. Amen. So, she, she does have a good valid point, I will admit. But this is the thing, she had been sick and we didn't know what was wrong with her. Right. It was even so bad, y'all. I said, if you don't get on some medication, I'm leaving. Can I just stop right there? Let me tell you that story. I didn't know what was wrong, and so we were into it pretty heavy. And so he's like, if he did. If you don't get on meds, I'm leaving you. And I thought back to all the stuff, fill in the other word, that I had been through <laughs> with him. The women, the cheating, the lying, the drugs, the almost prison sentence that I stood and prayed and believed God would change. And you want to leave me because I'm sick? I cussed him out all the way down Bell Road. Now, if y'all know Bell Road, I did. I did. Cussed him out. Come on. You must be out your mind. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Felicia. Well, they about to get the tambourines going. Yeah. You must I be crazy. I didn't got up inside, up my head. I said words I, didn't even, I, I said words I thought I forgot, but it flowed so freely. And I brought up all his dirt, stuff you don't even know about. And I'm like, you want to leave me because I'm sick? I it said, did. leave me. I said, I, oh, I don't Y'all got, y'all. I said, leave me, and I'm about to, uh-huh. Probably be my grave, but nevertheless, 
We did not know what was wrong we with did, her. We did Because y'all got to remember, in my mind, I'm married superwoman. This has been my partner, you know, for 20, almost 26 years next month, amen, as far as us being together. And so I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? Why don't you want to go to work? And so then it's me and Snappy, and, all, and I'm like, this is so out of character for you, you know. And, and so after a while, you know, as a man, you're like, well, what's wrong with you? You know, you, think, you say things, you're like, well, what's up? Right. And you that's know, because I'm thinking said. this is not the person I know. No. And so about probably two weeks after that incident, that's I when she finally... Doctor went to the doctor and they diagnosed her. I was diagnosed her. with parathyroid disease and Hashimoto's. My thyroid was all messed up. And they had a list of all the symptoms, 15 symptoms that I may have. And I, according to pastor, I had 12 of those 15. 13. 13. Because he, he called a family meeting and went through all the symptoms with my kids for them to verify, yep, yeah, this, 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 this. And there was one specifically that he stopped on. And would you want to tell him what it was? It, it literally used the B word. With a Y at the end. And I, I asked my kids, I said, please help me. Is this your mom? And they said, absolutely. Yes. And so the good thing is we found out what it was because it did. It put a strain on our marriage because it, it was like, man, I'm like, because again, this, you know, not the person I married. Right. But thank God we worked through that. Once right. we found out what it was, she got the surgery. I'm fine. God healed me and the surgeon. Praise the Lord. I'm good. Amen. It's all better now. But, Amen. again, you don't know in marriage, sickness does happen. It does. And then even now, she has to take meds for the rest of her life every day. And she went like two days without taking it, and everything came back, y'all. I was like, uh, did you take your meds? And she said, I haven't for two days. I said, let's go on over here. Let's yeah, so every go morning, get it. Where is it at? <laughs> every morning is like, hey, baby, did you sleep good? Yes. Did you take your meds? See, even my demeanor and my tone, because I'm, you know, timing and tone is everything. Right. I'm like, Hi, have, you, have you taken your meds lately? Oh, actually, I have it. Rebecca, I'll be like, girl, you take your medication. <laughs> <laughs> so sickness and in health. So God is good. So, so point is, when you made your vows, you all, you made a vow or commitment to the Lord that we all face difficult challenges and things in our life, but that doesn't mean you separate or you give up or you quit. Now, this is good, too. If you're considering marrying somebody, you should say, will this person support me emotionally, physically, hold me up? Will they be with me in sickness and in health? Does money make a factor in your relationship? Those are all good things to ask yourself if you're single. So, so that's just basically we want to remind you what your vows were when you got married. But, but we want to really focus on children. You know, we did marriage for three weeks. Now we want to focus on children. Children should be the byproduct of most marriages if you choose to. There are some people that don't choose to have children. That is their choice. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's better for you to know you don't want kids than to have them and realize you don't want kids. Wow. Praise the sure. Lord. So I, I honor that. I'm like, good, you made a decision. Praise the Lord. So, um, so children should not be discounted because of their age. You know, David was only 17 years old when he slayed Goliath. You realize that? He was a 17-year-old boy when he slayed Goliath. Um, the three Hebrew boys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that were thrown in the fiery furnace, they, scholars say that they were ranged from age 10 to 30. They threw 10-year-olds in the fiery furnace, you know. And they said, you know, if our, what did they say in the fiery furnace? Not only is God able, yes, but he will, but he will. deliver us from this fiery That's furnace. Right. I mean, you know, Amen. he's able. He's able. He's able. Which so, means he has the capability. Yes, sir. So a little boy said that. Our boy said that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, don't forget the little boy that had the lunch, the fish lunch that the disciples took and gave to Jesus and fed 5,000. So God can use children. So don't think because they're little they can't be used. Um, when Pastor was fasting for 21 days before we started our church, um, he was in the kitchen struggling because I made a big old pot of spaghetti. And uh, he was having a hard time and almost was going to break his fast. But Stella was nine years old and went up to her and said, Daddy, if you fast, you'll last. And if you pray, you'll stay. And that little words of encouragement kept him going for the last seven days of your yep, fast, sure right? Did. So, so little kids, children can be used um, by God. And so here it is. Children belong to the Lord and they're our reward. Um, Psalm 127, 3 and 5, it says this. Behold, children are a heritage or they're God's property from the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is, is a reward. So anytime you have a child or you have a child in your life, please know that those children don't belong to you. They are God's property. They're a heritage. They belong to God. And they're a reward. And a reward is just getting recognition for your efforts. So when you and husband and wife come together or man and wife, woman come together and then effort is put forth, a sexual effort, the reward is a child. So no matter how the child got there, they're a reward. 
Right. And, okay, no, no matter how the child got there, they are a reward. And the Bible goes on to say in uh, Psalm 127 and 4, like arrows in a hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Arrows, of course, one that you have to aim, and you have to aim an arrow. And the higher you aim your arrow, the further it goes. So God is giving us a description of what children or how children should be or how we should look at children. And then happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. And I gave pastor a quiver full of children. We had five kids in... Six years, 11 months, and 16 days. Right. Amen. And it's interesting because when we met at 17, 18, yes. we wanted six, so we, we knew out the gate we wanted a big family. The day we met, that's what we talked about, how many kids we wanted. Yep, that day we met. And I couldn't believe you said six because I wanted six. Right. Stopped that five, though, and got a dog. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so yes, we wanted kids. And but no, we know that, though, gentlemen and women, that our kids are our reward. Amen. Don't ever look at your children as a burden. They're a blessing. You know, because I've watched people, amen. amen, let's praise God, amen, they're not a burden. Not a burden. Amen. That children are a blessing, you know, and that's another thing too. You know, I told her out of those six, you know, I need to have at least three boys, you know, because I want to, you know, continue my legacy, continue my name. Love my daughters, don't get me wrong, but I know my daughters, amen, I'm already preparing them to whoever they marry that they continue that man's legacy. Right. They take on his name, but no, uh, what's that in the middle uh, Hyphen, hyphen. y'all know I don't get down like that. No, he because doesn't. Because if with a hyphen, that means you can go back. <laughs> You're like, oh, you want to act a fool? I'm going to go back to being a steel. No, 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 no. Once you became a Johnson, you a Johnson now. Right. And you're going to have some Johnson kids. Yep. And guess what? Those grandchildren are my legacy as well. I'm going to love them just like I'm going to love my children. when they, my, my boys, when they have their children, of course, their son's last name will be Steele. Right. But I'm going to still love them equally because that's me all over again. Amen. Their blood is running through my veins. And so we have to look at it like that. that yes. At the end of the day, our children are not a burden. They are a blessing. Do they let us down sometimes? Absolutely. Do they disappoint us sometimes? You better believe it. But they are not a burden. They are a blessing. Amen. Amen. And he did. He wanted, he wanted three sons. And so when I had Isaiah and then Mariah and Stella, you know, that pastor was not living for the Lord during that time. And he came to me after Stella and was like, well, I wanted more boys. And I was like, well, stop giving them away to everybody. I'm just saying. Hey, because, you know, the male, we determine the sex. And, you know, again, you know, Mariah's 23 and Stella's 21, so I wasn't living right at all. Mm -mm. And so when she said that, I did that James 1.19. Yeah. Put up James 1.19. <laughs> My beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Yep. So when you know you in wrong, just... Uh, let's swerve this conversation. Uh, yes. So how was your day today? It was fine. <laughs> and, you know, and after he lined his life up with the Lord, God gave him desire of his heart. We had yeah, two sons back my, to back. My so. last two. Yes. The Praise sons of him. your youth. Amen. Or of your old age, old, he says. Yeah. He always says, Ira is the son of my old age, and he was 27 <laughs> when he had him. <laughs> right. But anyways, um, children, children are born with a purpose. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says this, but before I knew you in the womb, I knew, wait, before I formed you yes. in the womb, I knew you. This mm. is God speaking to Jeremiah, but it gives us a behind-the-scenes look at how God looks at all of us. Before we were even on this earth, God already knew us. So stop, pause right there. That means nobody's an accident. Right, nobody. Nobody is an accident. I don't care if you were born out of wedlock. Come on, somebody. I don't care if it was a that, that that relationship, that that child still had purpose because he said, before I formed you, yep. which means we were already in God. Our spirit was already in him before we hit the earth and the flesh. Right. So he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. you. Knew meaning I was already intimate with you. I already knew you. Yes. You so good. Mm -hmm. And then Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Mm. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And as parents, we're supposed to tell our kids that, that you were put on this earth, God knew you before I knew you, and he gave you a future, and there's wow. a hope for your life. A child should never feel hopeless if a parent is speaking life over that child. No matter what way they go, no matter what way they turn, there's still a future and a hope and a promise for every, ch every child's life. So next, children are to be provided for. Um, 1 Timothy 5 and 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of the household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And that's something that sticks to Pastor and I strong, even in our state. Arizona is a big state about supporting the uh, mother, the single mom. They will get you, man of God, and get that money from you and give it to the mom. 
mom, especially in our state, based on this scripture, you need to provide for your child. Amen. And the word of God says that you're worse than an unbeliever if you don't. Jesus. That's, it's, worse for, it's better for you to not to be saved and to be a provider than to be a saved and not providing for your children. That's a deep thought. Right. And look at this. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, somebody say own. own. That means that you got to take ownership. If, that, if you gave birth to that, that child or you know you're the father, man, own that. You might not like the situation. You might not even like that woman. That might not, you might have not even, you know, been married. You know, it might have just been no love there but lust. A lot of us have been down that road. Can I get a witness? Yeah. You know, you thought it was love, but then you realized I wasn't nothing but lust. That was not my destiny. That was Ishmael and not Isaac. Can I get a witness? Right. That was Jacob and not Israel. Come on, somebody. Amen. But it says again, it says, if anyone does not provide for his own, in other words, take ownership, and especially for those in his household, he has denied the faith. In other words, your testimony don't mean jack nothing. Right. Because you're not even handling your business. Mm -hmm. In other words, God regards an atheist or a Muslim more than he regards even that person that confesses that he's a, a born-again believer, but then you're not handling your business. Amen? Right. So let's make sure that we're integral, amen, that we take care of our children. Mm -hmm. I always say, if you lay, you got to pay. Right. Speaking of which, you know, Pastor, I shared the story about how we got back together. And, of course, we prayed, and God showed me a dream of him preaching. And, and Isaiah did say, Dad, you know, I miss my best friend. All that really happened. But also what happened is I went down to the court, and uh, I, I filed for legal separation. And I found out I was going to get 52% of what he made from his job. I was like, this is awesome. So we had to meet with a mediator. I, and and I, when I looked at my income... I was already looking at what Uncle Sam taking. Right. And then I'm looking at what she going to get with three kids. Yep. And then y'all remember that song, It's Cheaper to Keep Her? <laughs> I said, we can work this out. Got to work it out. We going to work it out, work it out, work it out, work it out. <laughs> y'all remember Lord. that song? So, yeah. <laughs> work so, it out, work it out, work it something out. Something like that, babe. I don't think it, it was, was something like that. Praise the Lord. But I anyways. did a series on that one time. Work it out, oh, work no, it out. walk it out. Oh, now walk it out, wrong But if, song. You, if you walk it out, what did I say? Work it out. Yeah, work it out. Yeah, that's what okay. I did. Yeah, Anyways, we're back. This is 2010, 2010. Yes. Okay, so, so we got it. So they provide for it. Also, children are to be trained. Um, Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. When he is old, he will not depart from it. When he is old, he will not depart from it. I have to remind myself of that because sometimes we think when we train up our kids, when they turn 12, they're going to live for Jesus and prophesy and get the whole school saved. But we know that does not happen as parents, right? We train them up, and then they lose their minds for, like, a few years. They, like, they, they become demonic. I don't know what happens to our kids. But I always laugh at parents when they say, oh, look, Johnny, she pray, he's praying, and my little girl prophesies when they're two and three. And I say to myself, aw, mine did that too. Then they turn 12, and then we don't know who they were. Then at about 17, they come back, right? Because that's what it says. Train them up the way they should go. They'll come back to you. Train means to teach a person a particular skill or behavior through practice and instruction over a period of time. That's what training does. Training should end when you're a parent. And you guys know my struggle. I've been having issues with my kids getting older, having adult children, not really liking the empty nester situation. And it's been a transition. We've been honest with you all. Pastors talked about it. He's, he's great with it. it. He, pastor like, says he's moved from parenting to consulting, so he just I give suggestions now. He just suggests things, and I'm trying to still parent. And uh, God revealed to me this morning that my struggle is I don't trust my training. I was like, "Thank you, Jesus." I'm just give God a hand, praise for me. Amen. That that was revelation for me that I don't trust my. Tra I trained my kids. Now I have to trust the training. And let them go out there and figure it out and trust that when they're old, they will not depart from what we put in them, the word of God, the love of God, the promises of God, okay? So training, training includes instruction, dedication, love, discipline, and example. And that's what we're going to talk about, training. We have to trust our training with instruction, dedication, love, discipline, and example. Um, instruction comes from Ephesians 6 and 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You know, children should obey you, but this is written under the pretense that you're living a godly life, that you're giving God principles and God ideals. So your children should obey you. The Word of God even tells us in Exodus, the Ten Commandments, that if you honor mm -hmm. your mother and father, you will live a long life. Yep. So there's promises that come with children just obeying godly parents. 
So you should do that. Um, Ephesians 6 and 4, it says this, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in training and admonition of the Lord. And this scripture shows us why there's such an attack or an assault on the family to get the father out of the home. Mm. Fathers were supposed to train up the children with the fear of the Lord. Fathers were supposed to speak the word over their kids. Not the mom, the father. The dad was the spiritual head of the house. And over time, that, that element's been moved out of the home, and now we have sons being raised by women that don't know how to really be a father, and that's continuing on generation after generation. So father's responsibility, amen. Father, it's a father's responsibility. Amen. To raise them up. And it says, don't provoke your children to wrath. Don't make your kids angry. Don't discourage them is what it means to don't provoke them. And if a father's missing, that makes a child provoked, don't you think? They wonder, where's my dad? Why did my dad stick around? Why did my dad leave? And it messes up their whole mindset. And the devil will use any excuse to pull a child away from Jesus and have them go down the wrong path. So because you have ultimately to a father's there to validate. Yes. To encourage, to strengthen, if you will. Amen. And I think that's a lot of reason why this deception comes and then the enemy's able, like you said, to pull the man out of the home and then that child grows up being insecure. There's a level of insecurity that even comes because there are certain things that a mother can't download in a child that only a father can. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then what happens is that child goes through life and it can potentially be handicapped if, if, if not a male mentor comes into that person's life and begins to speak over them. Amen. Mm -hmm. So let's fathers, let's 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 do our part. Amen. Because I believe that if we do our part, how many you believe God will do his part? Yeah. Amen. We do our part. God will do his part. And, you know, sometimes you have to stay together for, for parents that may be struggling in the marriage. You need to stay together for the kids. I know that just for a season, it's okay, because your marriage can work itself out, but I know we, I know pastor would always say, no one's going to raise my daughters, that when we talked about separating and divorcing, he knew no one else is going to, he would always say, no one's going to make my daughter cereal in the morning. I don't know what that was all about, but pastor was very upset about the cereal in the Absolutely. morning. Absolutely. That nobody can make them cereal but him. I don't know what that was about. But, Listen, but we, yeah. He, real talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was all about that, because there's, you know, we separated for a couple months, but I knew at the end of the day. You know, and of course, love my sons, but it's something about, I got any men, you got some daughters up in here, mm -hmm. and you like, ain't nobody else raising my daughter. Right. I mean, nobody else gonna raise my son either, mm -hmm. but when it comes to my daughters, like I was telling her, as my daughters are filling out, I don't want the other man that ain't their daddy looking at them sideways. Amen. That's a real statement. I mean, now, of course, you know, we have several blended families here, mm -hmm. and I know our men that have taken on a, 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 another spouse, uh, you know, and, and also their children. I know y'all don't get down, but in my mind, as a young 19, 20, 21 year old, I'm like, ain't no other, mm -mm, my girls are filling out, and they especially ain't gonna be shake, waking some other man up saying, Daddy, go make me some cereal. Right. That really bothered him that about That bothered me. I man. just thank God for some cereal. Some people might right think now. that's goofy. But I ain't, at the end of the day, I'm getting out of bed. Where, where are them Cheerios at? Yeah. Where's that Captain Crunch? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pouring your milk. <laughs> Amen, baby. <laughs> and, that, and that's absolutely true. So, so, but then here, ladies, this is for us in Titus 2 and 4 concerning women. It says that, that they should admonish or give counsel or instruction in Titus 2, 4. That women should admonish, give counsel and instruction to the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. Realize, women, we're supposed to teach our girls how to love their husbands. That's why if you have a generation of, of women that are controlling or we, a Jezebel spirit or we use the word Jaquita around here, if you have a mom that's like that and, you're, and your child's watching you, your daughter's going to do that to her husband, their daughter's going to be doing that. See, it goes on and on. But we as godly wives should teach our girls how to treat their husbands, how to love their husbands, how to submit. Even to this day, my daughters will see how I interact with their dad, and he'll go upstairs, and they'll be like, Mom, how do you deal with dad? I'm like, it's Jesus. Because, I'm, all, you know, it's a miracle of God. <laughs> that I, that I've, I've, but they, they learn how to be a submissive wife, how to take correction, even when you don't deserve it, you know, and how to, how to just deal with that and make sure the home stays stable. I tell my girls all the time, when you get married, listen, you're, you're signing up to be the help. You're signing up to be the maid. You're a help mate. That sounds like work to me. Don't think you're going to eat bonbons lay on the couch all day because you have a husband. You're supposed to help him. And then we're supposed to raise our, our, our children how, how to be wives, you know, and how to be mothers. We have to teach them how to love their kids. You know, we, we don't teach them how to twerk moms. We teach them how to love their kids. Amen. We teach them how to be wives and cook 
and clean and all that good stuff. So that's what we're supposed to do in Titus 2 and 4. We're, we're supposed to raise our children with dedication. Um, to dedicate means to devote time, effort, and counsel for a purpose. Um, as a parent, God gave me this revelation a few years ago. A parent is this. It's simply a pair that rents. Get it? A pair. And we're just renting our kids. Pair Remember, the, ki the kids are, belong to the Lord. Yep. Right? They're not ours. Right. So when you're leasing something, you try to take good care of it because you don't want the landlord to come by and see it's a mess, Right? So it, should we should have that same attitude with our kids. We want to do a good job so when our daddy in heaven or the landlord in heaven looks down at us, they know we're doing a good job. We're responsible for our children. Amen. Amen. That's real good. So you should be dedicated to your child. Amen. Do you want to add to the dedication part or are no, you good? No, you know what? Dedication is so huge. You know, um, I believe that children, you know, they know when you're not dedicated. They know when you're, you're not committed. You know, it's just like, Last night, my son, you know, um, Ira, my baby, he's 17. My other son's 18. He's here this morning, too. But they lost the state championship last night, you know. Um, and I know that he, I saw him on the field, and he felt bad. And he, his brother, you know, consulting him and hugging on him and, you know, and all that. And so I made a decision. I told my wife, I said, because she went home, I said, no, I'm going to the school. So when he gets off the bus, I can go in the locker room and consoled him and hugged him. And that's exactly what I did. I went in the locker room and I hugged him. It's gonna be all right, man. It's gonna be all right, Ira. <laughs> we're still hurt, you know, but. Cause we're such a tough family. We never you know, lose, we're winners. You know, that's true too. Except but. for Family Feud. Oh, Jesus. And Centennial. Please don't, don't Google Family Feud. <laughs> Even Steve Harvey during commercials, he was like, come on y'all, y'all can beat these people. He said some other stuff though. He was cussing up a store, but I ain't gonna go into all that. Yeah. but. I say all that to say, you know, because sometimes men, we try to be tough. We try to be, you know, you know, macho and all that stuff. And that's cool. But at the time, there's times where, you know, when you know your son or your, your daughter is going through a level of disappointment and letdown, we have to go that extra mile and be sensitive to that. Yeah. So when I went in the locker room, I dapped up a couple of his guys, you know, with the little fist bump. But I went up to my son and I hugged my son. It's going to be all right, man. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's, it ain't even been 24 hours. He was in my room late. Was it was 1 o'clock in the morning. 1.30. He was like, Dad, this hurt, man. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, man, that's life, though. You ain't going to win in everything. Can I get a witness? And you, 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 yes. keep, you live a little while, you're going to realize you, you lose some and you win some. And I love this, too, because last night, because it was 1.30 in the morning. You know when you're trying to sleep, but you hear the whole thing. And I'm like, please, for the love of Jesus, go to bed. They were up. And so, but I heard. But I was dedicated. That's he what was dedicated. About. You weren't. Yes, I you was laying down. You... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to get her back. Uh -huh. She's been, she been clowning me all the service. I have. Stuff. I have. So, so but, but, but what I love is Iris said, Dad, I don't want to go to church tomorrow. I'm too hurt. I'm embarrassed. You know, and so, but, but pastors said this, hey, listen, you know, you can't miss church because of disappointment. He's like, if I miss church because I was disappointed, we wouldn't have church. Right. You, you don't miss church. And I love that even dedicated to each other, but to Jesus Christ. Just because you're hurt doesn't mean you don't show up to the house of the Lord. Right. We press through the pain, we press man. Press through. Yeah. You know. You, Amen. And if I said, man, just take the day off, stay home. What about when he's working in corporate America five, six years from now, and he gets disappointed at work? He's like, I'm just going to go home. And then he knows 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Mm -hmm. I ain't never met a person in this world that didn't like eating. Can I get a witness up in here? Right. Half the time we working is because we got to eat. Right. And got these bills. Can I get a witness up in Amen. here? Amen. Amen. That's why we work bills and eat. <laughs> and so dedicate to your children, yes. Um, we have to raise our children in love. Um, Romans 8.28 says this, and we know all things work together to those for the good, to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You all know we had our children before we were married. I had Isaiah. We weren't married. I was praying with Mariah walking down the aisle. It was not the ideal situation, but all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called. So love, even in your situation with your child now, if you're having a difficult time, please know that God has a way of working out bad situations and turning them good because they love God. When you love God, you see hope in everything. When you love God, you know God's going to work things out. When you love God, you don't give up on your family and on your kids and on your, your husband and your wife. You just don't give up because you know that all things work together for the good, good. to those who love God. And then here's Proverbs 13 and 24 for younger parents. Um, it says this, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. 
Yeah, if, if, you, if you're one of a parent that, don't, that doesn't believe in spanking your children or any sort of discipline, because sometimes timeout does work for some kids. You know, we had five of them. Sometimes spanking them worked. Sometimes taking a phone away worked better. Some kids would tell me, Mom, just spank me. Just don't take my phone, which tells you I'm taking your phone, right? I'm going to get you where it hurts. Right. So, so any type of discipline. But if, if you it, literally, if you let your son or daughter do whatever they want, you hate them, the Bible says. That you don't even want, you don't care where they end up. And you'd rather let the government punish them, which is through, of course, prison. A lot of those kids that are locked up didn't have parents that took time out. to. It takes work. Uh, come on, how many times have you heard the kids messing up in the back, and you're like, man, I got to get off this couch, walk back there, see what they're doing, and then spank people. That's a lot of effort, a lot of moving. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. If you go to Instagram, or I think it's YouTube or something, there's this man, he's got a cover over him, he's sleeping. And he it, takes says, it, he, it says when dad watches the kids. Oh, I wish we could get that yeah, out. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Maybe next time. So he, he's like, y'all better stop all that. That man put that cover right back over himself and laid down. Ain't that a typical man? Because I know, especially the season I'm in, I ain't getting up. <laughs> it's a new day. Come on, somebody. It's a new season. <laughs> it's a new season. And, and then we have to raise our children with discipline. Um, Proverbs 29 and 15 says, the rod... And rebuke, Proverbs 29:15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You know, rebuke your child, check your child, you know, express sharp disapproval or criticism. Let your child know when they mess up, you know, so they won't shame you later, especially for the moms, right? And then lastly, Proverbs 23 and 13 says, Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Look at that. The, the, see, the Bible that gave us a pass to beat these kids. Listen, no. Beat them. <laughs> <laughs> do not withhold correction. Now, you know when your kids are little, they do need to get spanked. They do. I mean, I'm for, you guys have heard the bad little kid at the, in the Walmart, in the, in the cart, crying the whole time. And the mom is shopping with the kids screaming. And you want to be like, I will get that thigh and just, you know, come on. It just takes a one, you can start at like 18 months old. They will learn right. just a little tap and they'll learn. Yeah. Even you know? Isaiah's 24, but I remember the first time he was maybe two years old because he was a good kid. He was a good kid. But at two years old, we walk in the bank, this brother fell out. Had a tantrum. I reached back here. You know how you ever just, and then you just twist that ear a little bit, all of a sudden they. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, beat him. <laughs> <laughs> I can preach that. That's the Bible. Where's the scripture? <laughs> Proverbs 23, 13. Yeah. No, but, but you have to, and it hurts because we don't want to spank our kids. You know when parents say, this hurts me as much as it hurts you. you it really feels right, that way. You, you don't want to spank them. Right. But that's the best thing to do for your kids because they should grow out of that. Eventually, the spanking should stop at like right. four or five years old. But it's the ones throwing tantrums and, fat and fits, you know, they're not spanking that, they're not beating that little baby at home. And so, you know, it's, and we, we're against child abuse. Let me put the, we, we you put that, you know, please put that out there. there. We, child abuse, we do not do that. But you do have to spank them. And so I remember Ira was probably about maybe seven years old, maybe six years old. And Ira used to get, when he was a baby, we would, he got spanked probably most out of all my kids. And he would always, I, he was probably four and I had to spank him. And he's like, mom, you spanked me yesterday. And, I, and I'm like, I said, listen, stop doing things and I don't have to spank you. So he was probably about six years old. And he came to me one day in the kitchen. He goes, mom, I haven't got spanked in a while. And I said, Ira, that's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to eventually grow out of this stage where we don't have to spank you anymore. Hallelujah. And it's, yeah, because you're doing things Speaking the right of way. spanking, one of the, the culture, you know, everybody has their own culture, how they raise their children. Right. But one of the rules we had in our house is that as long as you don't lie, you right. won't get a spanking. That's right. You won't get beat. No matter and what so you did. I love that about my kids. Like when we would come home from work, they'd be like, oh, I broke the sugar jar. I was the one that, I broke the TV today. <laughs> and we would be so mad, but we had a whole talk promise. I'd be like, <laughs> And I want to be like, where's my belt? But then they I, set, the I set the tone. I'm yep. like, if you just tell the truth, our kids. Yeah. You know, if the they truth. tell the just tell the truth. Yep. Amen. Because that's the one thing I did not want to raise liars. Yeah. Already know you're going to make mistakes. I know you're going to have human moments because we in this flesh. 
Amen. But if you just own it, yeah, you won't get whooped. And so yeah. that's that was the and that worked for our home. It worked. And and matter of fact, speak another story of Ira because Ira was with us a lot when we were starting the church up. And the girls did they did the girls didn't do something they were supposed to do. And we were in the car, and I was in the back seat. So pastor said to me, when the girls get home, I'm going to make them pick out all the weeds in our yard. Front you know, and backyard. Front and backyard. What grade were you in, Ira? He was in kindergarten. Kindergarten. So that was it. That's what pastor said in the car. When they get home, they're picking up the, picking up the weeds. We drop Ira off to kindergarten, go to the church. Pastor and I come back later on that night. The girls were in the front yard with forks getting the weeds out the yard. And Ira standing out there like this. And so I'm I like, told him, Dad, what you said in the car. He's sitting out there monitoring them. Monitoring them. them. <laughs> and he's like, Dad, I let them know they got to pick all the weeds. And they listen to Ira. So. <laughs> and I, I already, you know, I, and I, my anger ceased. So we I wasn't forgot. even going to even do that. But then they was out there. Getting the weeds. <laughs> making it happen. I'm like, well, praise, praise the Lord. The Lord. I have to call my gardener this week. Hallelujah. Amen. So that just shows that discipline was very much in our, in our family, not as a, of a harsh punishment, but just part of life. You know, you, when you mess up, you have, to, we, you have to discipline your child. So we, we encourage you to do that for, your parent, uh, for parenting. Sometimes your kids get older, and you can't discipline them in the same way you want to because maybe you missed out on it. I always encourage moms, just love your child then. You know, have a conversation with your child. Your child isn't your friend, but they are a person. You know what I mean? Sometimes people think, well, that's not my friend, meaning you can't be friendly. I'm very friendly with my kids. I talk to them. I listen to their stories. Some of their stories freak me out. The things their friends do make me like, what? Of course, we don't think our kids are doing it, but they're probably doing it together. But anyway, in our minds, we think they're not doing that. But have a conversation. I, I, I think that my kids know they can talk to me. Or how about this? When my girls were younger, especially, if they didn't want to talk to me, they didn't have that choice. You live in my house. And you're not going to choose not to talk to me. So you can sit in here and be quiet in your room. I'm going to sit right here on this bed for hours. I have nowhere to go. I would sit on my bed and read magazines until they decided they were going to talk to me. Because I'm like, you're, you're going to tell me what's wrong. As a mom, we should know when something's wrong. The word of the Lord tells us in Proverbs that a woman, Proverbs 31, a woman knows that the goings on of her household. A woman should know what's happening. If you feel off about it, I will press and press. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? I don't let them say nothing and walk away. I will sit there and be impatient and not let them go until they finally tell me what's wrong. Not that I can punish them, but so I can help them. Because that's my role as the mom in the house, to help the kids out. Amen. So our last point is to raise our children by being an example. Mom and dad, we should be the example. Don't send your kids to church and act crazy at home and then wonder what's wrong. Church is just a supplement to their spiritual well-being. Church is just, we're giving them a little bit of dose on what you should already be teaching them at home. So don't, don't, don't not be an example. We try to not live perfect lives, but we live for Jesus. And Jesus is talked about in our home. Deuteronomy 6 and 7, pertaining to the word, it says this. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. The word of God. You should teach the word of God diligently mm -hmm. to your children. And shall talk of them, talk about the word when you sit in your house. When you walk by the wayside. And when you lie down and when you rise up. That your, your, your home should be full of the communication of the Bible. And when you're giving counsel or advice, you should have scripture attached to the advice you're giving. Absolutely. Even growing up, one of the cultures of our home was when we would sit around the table at dinner. We're a very competitive family. And so we would do uh, sports questions and Bible questions. And it seemed like probably I would say Isaac won the Bible questions, but Ira would win the sports questions. Amen. And so that's pretty much how we raised our children and so, and part of the reason why, you know, we did the Bible questions is so when they become an adult and they find themselves between a rock and a hard place, the same God that brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of their fiery furnace situation, I want them to know that that same God that brought them out can bring them out. The same God that brought Daniel out of the lion's den. Can I get a witness? Amen. The same God that used Moses to part the Red Sea will cause you to walk on your personal Red Sea as well. So these are the different things that we, how we raised our kids. And like my wife said, we're not perfect, but one of the things that we've done is we've done everything we can to give, them a, a, give a perfect effort when it came to raising our kids. And I think I said this last week, one of the things that I've been, been really adamant about is that when my children leave my home, I don't want them to be like, whew, I'm so glad I got out of there, all that dysfunction. And I don't want them to have that testimony. I want them to know that they grew up in a healthy 
strong environment where their mom and dad really cared about them, amen. And I believe that we can make that happen. And if you're not quite there yet, you can start today, amen. It's never too late, amen, to begin to change even your ways, if you will, amen. Get things in alignment in your life, amen. Because I've learned we only got one shot at this thing. Absolutely. And what I was going to say is that if you're a parent here and maybe your child is not living the way that you raised them, and I get that, you know, I, I want you to know, like pastors, that it's not too late. You know, there are things that you've spoken in the spiritual atmosphere that are very much alive. You know, you've spoken life over that child, that they will live and not die, that they will serve God the rest of their days. And even if they're not serving God, you still speak life, mom, over that child. Don't, don't give up and don't think it's over. You know, the word of God says that train them up they, when they should go and when they're old, they won't depart. Old could be 70 years old. Now we pray it doesn't take that long, but I'm telling you, God's word works. Your pastor was a man of God that did not serve God for many, many years, and that mom kept on speaking life and saying he was gonna be a preacher and that he would serve God. And I'm telling you, he would laugh in his mom's face. But that mom, from the time that that baby was born, Reginald Steele was born on December 17th, she knew there was a God call in that child's life. Even to where he almost died at birth, she knew that there was a God call on his life, and she kept on speaking life over him. And as a mom, we've got that authority. As a parent, we have that authority Amen. to speak That's life good. over our children. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care if it's the wrong woman. Listen, prayer works. We talked about it last week. You can pray the hoes away. Come on. You can pray drugs away. You can pray abuse away. I'm serious. They pray are our away. kids. They belong to not us. God, they are yours. And God, I ask you to put your hand on your child. Start speaking that way. God, you bless your child. They're, they don't belong to me. They're yours. And God, if they're yours, you take care of them. And remember this too. The same God that delivered you, the same God that protected you, Amen. the same God that set you free is the same hey. God that can deliver and protect and set Hallelujah. your child free. Don't think your God is any weaker than he was with you. In fact, our God is stronger to deal with your child. Do you hear me? So you have to be strong about that and say, God, this child belongs to you. And I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to be afraid. God, you protected me from bullets. You protected me from bad situations. You protected me from rape and prostitution or whatever. God, God, you can protect my child because you protected me. So I just want to rebuke fear in Jesus' name because it, it's scary out there to have your child. And you think they're not going to line up in the way they should go. Let me tell you, I believe that God will still send angels to talk to that child and remind them that Jesus is Lord. If you agree with that, why don't you give God a hand praise? Come on. Bless the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say,